Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Hour number two of the program is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited. Your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. If you missed the opening hour of the show, we went through the moves that this management group has made to this point and critiqued them all. Also looked at the moves in isolation, but also what they mean for the big picture of the organization. Harmon Dial of The Athletic joined us to talk about that as well. With uh, Jim Rutherford laying so much criticism around everywhere else earlier this week with us, Sat, we decided, uh, well, let's critique what what have the front you office, done? Yes, right. <laughs> what his front office has done so far. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good going through everything and kind of look, putting it all into context. Uh, still a lot more to come, I would think, uh, especially with the, way, uh, with the way things are going so far. The hockey shop in Surrey is moving to Langley. Their last day in Surrey is November 14th, and they'll reopen in Langley November 19th. Details at thehockeyshop.com. So... Uh, Sat, you won't uh, you won't be here tomorrow. No, uh, taking the day tomorrow. Taking a uh, much deserved, much earned day off. Yes, it's uh, you know we got back to back games on the weekend, so I'm back on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Canucks uh, in Toronto yep. on Saturday, and then in Boston on Sunday. So busy weekend. Uh, we'll be uh, all over it here on your home of the Canucks Sports at six fifty. But that means we get the mailbag on a Thursday. Producer Josh Elliott Wolf has collected the top questions of the week, and there were many. There was quite a few. <laughs> I think there was like eighty. I was Josh sifting was like, through. There was a lot. <laughs> I did not expect to have to read that many questions. Yeah, I was like Thursday. You know, maybe there's less. Yeah. No. Day early. There was more. Lot. Lots of questions. Uh, I wonder why. Maybe uh, the Jim Rutherford bump continues. Yeah. It's incredible how much that interview has been referenced on every hockey show I've listened to over yeah. the last week. It's hey, it set it set the tone for the week. Yeah, not just in Vancouver, but for all the hockey shows everywhere you go. Yeah, it's like watching Frank this morning uh, on the Daily Faceoff show, and they were talking about it. The Merrick show. We've given Merrick a week of content. I hope that you know, like we get a Venmo at some point. Do we at have Venmo? Point. I don't know if we do. We We have something. Okay, sorry. Got super follow on Twitter, maybe? (laughs) Is that a thing still? Yeah. Uh, Super follow? What's that? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Oh, you guys got to learn. Man. Not in tune with the the current trends like Sad. Yeah, is Sad in Elon's pocket? Does he know things (laughs) that we don't? Me and Elon. It's not even out yet. (laughs) Yeah, it was not. But no, this has been around for. This is is, is prior to Elon. Okay. Super follow thing. You can actually send money to people you follow. I don't have that option. But yeah, you can set it up and it's like, if you like this person, send them money. Yeah, oh, wow. and there's yeah. a little like money circled yeah, next yeah. to their name. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. always like, "Come on, guys, I am not going to." Do that. That's like begging. That's, that's like, is that like an individual tip jar? Yeah, and like, I just don't <laughs> think I'm. I don't think I would ever be at a well, level. You know where what? I'm Since like, everybody else is money. asking for tips these days, maybe I can get. <laughs> you a should tip. give me tips for my takes. Yes, <laughs> like the fifteen percent screen after yeah. every tweet. <laughs> I, no, twenty-five percent minimum for my takes. <laughs> give me a tip. For these bad takes. I'm making you laugh. You want to hear me pronounce Andrew Manjapane? Well, you're going to have to pay for it. Uh, okay, let's start with the questions. <laughs> Mailbag Friday on a Thursday. Uh, first one from Canuck Kook. What will be your thoughts if the Canucks win back-to-back games this weekend 
and beat Buffalo to finish the trip, giving them a 7-7-3 record. They truly are Jekyll and Hyde reincarnate, if that happens. Like, if, if they win three straight games now to finish this road trip and come back 7-7-3, seven, seven, and three, it's like, all right, like, I mean, That sure. would be 75% of their current win total. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, they're going to have to win games, though, right? I mean, hey, I'm... I'm I'm here for it. I'm tired of like losses all the time and stuff like that. But I mean, that would be my reaction. It's like I, I don't. They, they are going to have a bounce back. I'm just not sure the bounce back's happening on this road trip where they're going to win three in a row all of a sudden. So the game against Toronto, that's a game you should not should win. There's no <laughs> games this team. Uh... Oh, Toronto's on a second of a back to back. Yeah. So it, like it's it, it needs to be a winnable game. It's, it's winnable, uh, especially with the way Toronto's playing. Their defense right now is is trash. Uh, Justin Hall has been like their best defenseman so mm-hmm. far this year. That's that's not good. It's good for Justin Hall, not good for <laughs> not good for Toronto. Um, Boston's tough. Boston's a really good hockey team, as uh, they've shown. Now they're getting healthier. Charlie McAvoy back in the lineup tonight. They're currently playing Calgary on Sportsnet, and we know how feisty Buffalo is. So like none of these games are super easy. Uh, Toronto, like uh, who's going to be in net for that game? But what's your reaction if they win Petra all three Zedley? games? Yeah. You know, like they, they, but can they do it then? You yeah. think they're going to do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I can't believe this team came out so flat oh, in Ottawa and Montreal, Sat. Like, it, it's appalling. Would you, would you change your opinion on them if they won three in a row? No. I think we're all like, yeah, I'm impressed. I'll give you credit, but, like, I'm what not if sure they, this is real. What if they had three Pittsburgh games in a row? Where well they then, were just yeah. Dominant. Then it's like okay, Look, maybe I'd be impressed, but I'd still think that this team needs significant change. No, of course, but it's in, as far as like, can you write the ship for the rest of the season and like get on track? There's, you know, I, I completely agree with. Yeah. And you still have to, you know, make the changes. But if they play three really good games, I'm still wouldn't buy in until they do it for a longer stretch because that's been the nature. They've shown us good stretches, then they kind of revert back to being what they have been so far this season. But, I mean, I think they would deserve a lot of praise if they did that. So the fu- the funny thing about, like, the recent stretch of play is like, they've kind of played well for a lot of it. <laughs> Certainly not these last two. But, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of their – at the beginning of the year, those first seven games, they weren't generating a ton. Uh, they were giving up the leads. But it, it wasn't all that pretty. Yeah. You know, if you look at some of the metrics now, like – a lot of the players, a significant amount of the players, are over fifty percent in the, you know, controlling scoring chances uh, area. You know, they they are doing some things well. It's just like, the most frustrating part about this team is just unforced errors, critical errors in big moments of big games, and they just keep happening. So until they stop, I'm gonna bet on. <laughs> what continues to happen rather than what they haven't shown me to this point this year. William, last year the PK was very good after Boudreaux took over with Scott Walker. What changed system-wise after Scott left? The PK under him seemed more offensive and structured. Is this a reflection of the new coaching method or simply lack of accountability by some players? They're not doing anything different on the PK is what they say. To correct William as well, uh, the PK really took a turn for the better when Brad Shaw started uh, started to coach, yes, him. and him not being there obviously could have an impact. 
they're saying they're not doing anything differently as far as what they were trying to do, but having his day-to-day tutelage and having his day-to-day voice mm-hmm. obviously seems to be missing right now. They are trying to have skilled guys on it. They're trying to do the power kill stuff. I think it just comes down to execution at this point. Yeah. I, and they're doing the same things they did last year, even though on the PK they had some different ideas, but they're completely guessing half the time they don't have any confidence and as soon as they get step out of their own position the other guy wants to cover for them nobody does their own role well and i know boudreaux referenced this as well that hey they're trying to do other people's jobs too and everything like that there's no trust and when that happens it's a complete mess i like to say they should try different things on it but i think they can't even execute the most simple of pks at this point it goes beyond just having a different system yeah they uh they're giving teams an inch, and they're they're taking everything. A, see, you know? a save would be good too on the PK. A save on the PK would be nice. Uh, what's Demko? Demko's given up the first shot of a game like three times in a row. Not great. Didn't the Canucks do that like three or four years? We're going ago? back I think to it was the uh, Anders Nilsson, Jacob Markstrom yeah. days. Good times. Like before Markstrom was good days. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Uh, All right, Andy. Would the Canucks hire another head coach, or simply just promote somebody like Yo? to intern coach to finish the year? Depends on if they get their guy. Yeah. What I would guess they would want to do is, unless, unless for instance, Rutherford wants Barry Trotz and ownership gives the okay to sign Barry Trotz and they, they can convince him, outside of a guy like that midseason, I would guess that they probably just do something interim and then do a proper search with interviews in the offseason to get the guy they truly want. And would even consider guys overseas and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, men or women or whoever they might be considering for, for the role of the next head coach of the National Hockey League. I think that's what they would do. My guess would be they probably promote somebody internally. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was Jeremy Colleton. Colleton over Yo? Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. That's interesting. Well, Yo isn't. Yo wasn't really their guy. No, it's... Uh, Boudreaux, Boudreaux wanted Yo. Yeah. So, in that way, it does make some sense. Yo's the easy guy. I mean, if you really want to tank the season, Yo's shown a really good ability of, <laughs> you know, tanking years with his teams yeah. when things go sideways and it's a safe bet. You have to give him a raise. And as soon as you make an assistant and head coach, you give him a bump in salary. So, it is going to be some extra pay, but it would be a lot cheaper, obviously. Yeah. It comes down to your goal for the rest of the season. And uh, that goal may be uh, different <laughs> coming up pretty soon. I One thing we do know, and Rutherford has talked about this with us, you know, they will have sort of a list that they're working off of what and who they want. Um, so ultimately, is it somebody already in-house? I think that probably their preference is elsewhere, but... Uh, but that remains to be seen. Trevor, what likelihood is there of major in-season moves? The team's cap situation doesn't allow for any hockey trade without moving a contract out. Does management have leeway from ownership to start making future-oriented moves like stockpiling picks? I think the leeway's there. I don't think they're not. It's not like they're not allowed to make those deals. I don't think as much as yes, ownership has a say, and they hired somebody, and with the idea of. This is not going to take too long to turn around. I don't think ownership is getting in their way of making any individual trade. No. That wouldn't make sense. Rutherford wouldn't have taken this job if that was the case. No. I I spoke to someone who 
basically, the point that was made was Jim Rutherford, like you said, would not be here doing this job if he wasn't allowed to make the decisions he wants to make. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to, you don't have to convince owners of your plan and get them on board and manage up and all that sort of stuff. And every card you play is like a bullet that you use and how are they going to react to it and what does that do to the overall trust of executing the plan and everything like that. Those questions are fair. But I really don't get the sense, guys, that management in any way right now is being handcuffed by ownership. You can make the case they're not enamored with paying three coaches. But if Rutherford wants to do it and wants to make the argument... But Rutherford himself understands. Like he even said, well, we don't want to be paying multiple coaches. It's bad business. You do a lot of those different things. You're wasting money. It's just from a, from a management standpoint, it doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. Is just throw more good money after bad. You, you don't want to be doing that. You know, that's a way to get an owner uh, upset with you and yeah. uh, really tank the honeymoon period uh, that they, they they would still be in in their first year with this group. You know. Look, when you get hired into a job, especially for one like this as president, uh, GM of president uh, of, of hockey ops with the Vancouver Canucks, you know, you have a conversation with ownership about where you imagine the direction of the team is going to be. And Rutherford has said it with us. A step back to take two steps forward. Um, I, I don't think they ever looked at this year as being one where they really imagined it was realistic to be a cup contender right away. But this has always been about staying competitive and building a cup contender over the next two, three years. Yeah. Rutherford has never really hid that from anyone. No. And That's been his goal, even if it does match up with ownership. 100%. The, only, the other thing that I mentioned, too, and I mentioned this yesterday, keep in mind, Bruce Boudreaux helped sell tickets. Bruce, there it is, baby. And when you have a popular guy like that, again, it goes beyond just ownership, too. Like, they, they understand that portion matters. Boba, is it lunacy to re-sign Bo Horvat? Kind of? <laughs> I mean, like, w- where's the change coming? Like, my entire argument all along was, don't keep both. You got to make a big trade somewhere. You got to get flexibility somewhere. You have to think towards the future. You got to move one of Garland or Besser eventually. You got to move one of Horvat or Miller eventually. You got to change the mix up. That's kind of been my idea. It's always yeah. been change the back end, move one of your wingers, and don't keep both JT and Bo and get the maximum you can. And Bo is the guy you probably get more for in return. That's your best trade chip. That's the way I've been viewing it. And if you bring everybody back, what are we doing here? I uh, I would have been a proponent of considering moving both. Yes, as we absolutely. talked about in the summer, I would I, listen. I, I was all for doing anything, but holding on to just just hold on to Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko essentially, yeah. and like do whatever else that you want. But it wasn't realistic that they were going to go and trade both JT and Bo. Um, but Boba, you're right. It is sort of lunacy to, to to keep both, especially with the way the season is going. Like, what are we what are we continuing on? They're to? literally doing the same thing every single year. We're expecting different results from the same team every year, yet they're doing the same thing. It is literally the the definition of insanity. The the problem is. <laughs> You know, it's not a critique about Bo the player, especially now as Bo is like adding things to his game and you know, showing some different ways of scoring goals and really buying into and becoming the the thirty plus goal scorer center that we've seen and and hoped he'd be. But again, what are you signing up for? You're signing up for mediocrity if you keep keeping everybody around that hasn't 
led this team to any sort of success. And so now that you've locked into JT, you're not going to turn around on that and immediately trade JT Miller, even though you didn't give him a no-move clause or no-trade clause in this final year of his current contract before the new one kicks in in the summer. So the logical move is, unless Bo agrees to some insanely team-friendly contract, which isn't going to happen, you're forced to move Bo Horvat. That's the unfortunate reality right now. Is it unfortunate, though? Go on. <laughs> Five Canucks thoughts. Is buying out OEL ahead of next season worth it? Uh, yeah, I mean, monetarily, it can be worth it. You might be better off trying to get through one more year before doing it. Mm. I think it depends on what your goal is for next year and what you can do with the $7 million of cap space that it would open up. If you if you are buying out Oliver ekman Larson, you better have a clear-cut plan on what you want to do with that $7 million and be able to go out there and execute it. Yeah. Because I think there is some level of value in buying out OEL at some point because you're not going to be able to move him. Um Unless you bring in Rick Tockett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't like Vancouver so much anymore. I think you try one more offseason of seeing what you can do with it and try yeah. to get through one more year, see if there's something you can do. And if you can't, then you buy him out the year following. Uh, the point for me is, you know, OEL's buyout sort of matches up with Demko's contract. So you'd be opening up some cap space to try and use while you're in sort of that window of Demko's contract giving you surplus value. That is assuming Demko <laughs> gets back to being the Thatcher Demko top-end goalie in the NHL that we expect. Vicky, 2022 NFL MVP predictions. Geno Smith? What? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. said, what? You believe it too, don't you? He's like number two in QBR right now. Come on. He'll get more votes than uh Who expected Wilson? the Seahawks to be six and three? Well, he's definitely getting more uh it's all about the wristband, you know. It's I mean, all about that wristband. That's that's the reason Geno Smith is better than Russell Wilson. I mean, if Josh Allen stays healthy, it's probably gonna be him. Yeah. Right? Like it's probably him if he stays healthy. But if he gets hurt, does Jalen Hurts have a chance? It's yeah. Jalen Hurts is probably the favorite right now, is he not? I don't know if he's favorite. I would say Allen is still the favorite. Yeah. But like if the Eagles keep doing what they're doing and Hurts keeps doing what he's doing, that might flip. If Hurts leads the Eagles to an undefeated season. Well, I mean, come on. Strength of schedule. I mean, they, they only have like nine games to go. Have you seen their schedule? I know, but I mean, 17-0, man. Their toughest games. 17-0. Yeah. Packers and Cowboys. I guess Giants. They still got two against the As Giants. we learned. This past week. The Packers are bad. They got Tennessee too, man. Listen, I'm not a Tennessee guy, but Tennessee just keeps showing up and impressing and being hard yeah, to play against. Yeah, Vrabel, Vrabel's, yeah. Vrabel's a good Give coach. Give him credit. Vrabel's a good coach. Uh, okay, they're not going undefeated. I know. But, like, you look at the schedule and it's like, eh, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's Allen and Hurts yeah. to me. MVP. And then Geno Smith. No. <laughs> stop it. Potential uh, finalist. Stop it. Uh, Copenhagen, what are your plans for the weekend? 
he doesn't want us to talk of any more Canucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was part of it. I, I'm I'm working both Canucks games. I'm doing the pregame and intermissions and postgame shows on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Sunday's on TV as well. Yes. Yeah. So big sneak peek into uh, the wildlife of sports radio hosts. Like, what do we do on the weekend? We watch sports. Watch sports. <laughs> I got. I'm getting ready for the World Cup. Uh, more news on that coming next week. Uh, but there's. Uh, there's a lot happening. There's two Canucks games Saturday and Sunday. And I also have a beer league hockey game on Sunday. So if the Canucks are getting blown out against Boston <laughs> Sunday afternoon, Oof. I may just skip the second half of that game and uh, have to PVR it and go go beer league hockey. That yeah. might be my fun of the weekend is, I'm, is I'm, some beer league hockey. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'll be there. I'll, I'll watch the Browns game in the morning yeah. on Sunday, and then I'll yep. stroll into work, and we'll get some waffles. Woo. We're doing waffles. I'm excited. We're doing waffles? We're doing oh. waffles on Sunday. Oh, we I decided. guess you, you, you will be here. here. You weren't here. You will be here for the pregame Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got we got TV on Sunday. Are we are we eating waffles on TV on Sunday? No, oh. I'm not saying we're doing it on TV. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't eat it on no. TV. No. <laughs> it would be interesting. I mean, I, I did the one chip challenge. Oh, that was YouTube stream. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people watch They didn't that. air that on Sportsnet Pacific? No. Nope. Ah, weird. Thankfully. Um, I'm going to a wedding. Saturday. Ooh, not looking forward to. Well, are you? Do you have like a nice suit to wear to this wedding? No, they didn't want to go too formal, I guess. So it's just, I just have like a burgundy shirt I bought. Ooh, I don't know. Because they send you the colors you're supposed to wear, right? So they oh. so it doesn't clash with whatever the wedding party is. So oh, really? Red was one of the colors. Hmm. I don't know. It's a, uh, you, you it's can't. a Christmas vibe for the wedding. That was that was kind of th- well. Okay, so my girlfriend just bought an outfit that was red, and I was like, "Guess I gotta match it," and that's <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, is this supposed to be sunny? I think so, but it's gonna be cold. So, mm. yeah. and it starts at three, so it'll be 100%. dark pretty quick. Yeah, somebody know. messages like, "What? Don't forget the lions." Yeah, I mean, but we're like, we're literally working during the Lions game, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah, yes, we're, we're we're all over the Canucks this weekend, man. <laughs> A uh, couple more questions. If you could time travel to any point in history or future, where would you go and why? Ooh. History or future? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, great I'd like to, question. You know what? Um, history, I think we have a pretty good sense of history. And honestly, I don't want to go too far back in time because I'm so used to the amenities of today's world. Yeah. And I don't want to deal with what the world looked like like 120 years ago, to be would honest. You, would you know like what, what today's world looks like if you go back to like... 1998? Well, I mean, obviously. What else would you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's a simpler time back then, you know? ICQ and MSN Messenger. Uh, Josh being oh. born. Josh. Was, uh, wait, uh, 1998 was like way probably earlier than ICQ. I guess ICQ was around back then. I ICQ know. was, yeah, that was, that was my first um I was more messenger. of an MSN Messenger guy. I, I went from ICQ to MSN Messenger. Yeah. My first thing was, was ICQ. I would go into the future. I want to see what it looks like 150 years from now. What if it's just like Ooh. a wasteland, though? Then, then I, then then I know that I, then I come back and you know what? <laughs> just live it up, man. Guys, things are not going to go well. Yeah. What if the science is right and climate change is real? Yes. <laughs> Tough. Which, yeah, we, we should be thinking about that more. Uh, yeah, so let's, uh, I, I would, uh, I don't know, future, I don't want to go too far into the future. Like, I really don't. I think I'd go like 50 years. And then I do I do a Back to the Future. Like I would definitely bet on sports. I would do all my research. Yeah, I totally do the almanac thing too. Yeah. And and live a more rich life. Yeah. You know. 
<laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe sign up for a more prosperous career. <laughs> uh, speaking of millions of dollars, AJ, you are given a million dollars and need to spend it in one day. What do you do with it? Buy a property. In one day? Yeah, I'm buying a property in one day. Let's say you can't buy a house. Oh. Just, like, you have to buy things. Crypto? No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. Uh, <laughs> is it, like, over now? That's investing. Uh, Crypto is, is uh, dead, apparently. It's dead now, apparently. I don't know if it is or not. But um, uh, a million bucks and you can't buy property? Just because I feel like that's the easy answer. Yeah. Especially it's in Vancouver. It's like, buy a house. Yeah, buy, like, an apartment or a condo or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would at least, you know... That would 100% be the smartest thing to do with it. What does a million dollars get you? Maybe a two-bedroom? Probably. Well, Maybe. it depends where. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, it all depends on location. Yeah, location, location, location. Yeah. I mean, um, I would probably just buy, like, a bunch of... If if I couldn't do a house, just buy a bunch of, like... For sure. For trips and stuff. The best thing to do, mm. and people are texting it in now, is going to say, is to buy gold. If you really want to do something. Yes. Just buy gold. Because the thing is, if you have a million bucks you have to spend in one day, don't be, don't go buy a car and do stupid stuff like that. I mean, you're just depreciating your, you're throwing money don't, away. Don't buy depreciating assets. If you got to spend your money in one day, you got to buy something that retains value. Mm-hmm. And gold is the safest commodity you can buy, pretty much. Yep. Gold is always going to be valuable. Yeah. Gold would be the smart thing to do. So what if you're doing the not smart thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> honestly i have no appetite for a super like for to buy like a supercar I, I don't know if i'm like alone on that hill but no uh, i just feel like i wouldn't appreciate it like other people would you know like i i think porsches are nice you know they're great a dream car would probably be a 911 turbo but I'm never buying that. turbo? Yeah. Like, I'm never... Even if I had the money, I probably wouldn't buy Why it. wouldn't you? If you had the money... If I had the money, I, I would buy I what know. I want. Why I just, wouldn't you? If you have the money, you would. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm too practical. This, Sports cars are impractical. They just get you in trouble. Yeah, but you say that right now because you're not a millionaire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I feel like everything I changes. I could not sound more poor than I <laughs> yeah. do at this very moment. <laughs> I feel like when you get more money, just like just in life, right? You start off and not making a lot. Like, But what happens is when you make a bit more money, every little raise you get, like the things you spend on <laughs> kind of increases and changes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just saying it's easy to say you would never do that. But if you have the money, you probably would. <laughs> Put it all on Dogecoin and let it ride. Oh, man, I ain't touching that. I mean, if I could, I would do something like, uh, like, yeah, if I'm not doing it to invest it, more like bucket list, Champions League final and oh, just yeah. going, going all out in some European city. Yeah, if you, if you had that chance, right? Yeah. Uh, this one would say, I put the money, the million towards OEL's buyout, a true Canucks <laughs> fan. Uh, and Mike says, I would buy a bottom six penalty killer. So... <laughs> Hey, the Canucks thought they did that with their million bucks this Buy year. Buy land, yeah. But the thing is, Josh said we're not allowed to. We're not. We're not allowed to do smart things. Yeah, with it. yeah. No, only dumb things. <laughs> only if dumb. You, if you think about it too much, it's a smart thing. You can't do it. I'm yep. doing an around the world cruise. Let's go. I, the question should be: You have a million bucks. You have to spend on impulse buys. What are you buying? <laughs> you have like an hour. <laughs> so much fast food after like a game. I'd buy a very overpriced PlayStation 5. No, that's not true. Just buy stuff you can resell later. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Uh, that's it for the mailbag. Always appreciate you and the many questions we get for the mailbag each and every week. And also uh, you making it uh, consistently one of our most downloaded episodes of the week on Canuck Central. Always subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss an edition of the show. Any mailbag, any overrated, underrated, any exclusive interview like the one we had with Jim Rutherford earlier this week. And of course, every single post game show for every single Canucks game over the course of the season. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. This is Canuck Central.